0: But it's really nice out today. I did my notes. I did my reading and my notes out on the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, out on the, my balcony. Deck, veranda, balcony, say porch, big, whatever you want
1: to call it. The slice of outside that you're probably legally required to have access to. Uh,
0: not legally required. Uh, there are plenty of places in this city that do not have one of those. Gross. I'm excited though the uh the place that I saw the the balcony is not on a main road ooh, and it is apparently in the summertime like it's surrounded by trees. Mm-hmm. And the trees in the summertime are apparently like the leaves are so thick, like you can't see past them. So it's its own little like oasis.
1: Oh, that's so nice. In the place that we used to live in Redacted City in a different state than the one I currently live in, we had a second floor apartment and there was a lot of trees that came right up to the windows. And so there was all of the trees and we could see the creatures like climbing around. There were red squirrels in there, which was so cool because we never see red squirrels. But one of the other things about that area was the apartment below us had this little sticky-outy window seat situation. So there was this tiny little sliver of flat roof beneath one of our windows, and I would sprinkle sunflower seeds out there, and we would get squirrels and birds, and we would see the red squirrels, and we'd see little juncos. And there was one time we got a really good view of a hawk just chilling in the tree. So it's it's pretty nice to be tucked up in the trees.
0: I'd like to be just in the trees now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: in a little hall in the trees for, that seems to form out of nowhere, where I can have dinner with a bunch of elves mm-hmm. uh, as I flee from black riders that the elves won't tell me about. <laughs>
1: Same. Hi, Ran. That was a smooth transition.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I. It's almost like we're like professional podcasters or wow, something. Wow. We're,
1: we're so not. We're, if we're operating um, by the Cheetah Girls rules, and I don't remember if this was Cheetah Girls one or two, but they are in this music competition that's specifically for amateur musicians. But someone who is trying to sabotage them was their enemy from earlier in the movie ends up paying them a nominal sum for some singing that they do for him. But then when they go to the other big competition that they wanted to be in, the person in charge goes, hey, this is for amateur musicians, and you got paid for this other gig, so you're technically professionals, so we can't let you perform, and it's this whole big plot conflict. So if we're going by Cheetah Girls rules, which we should for all things in life, we have not received any money in exchange for creating this podcast yet, so I don't think we can call ourselves professionals, but we're getting there.
0: Well, in that case, amateur podcasters that we are, welcome friends, enemies, and uh, eager hobbits to another episode of The Fandom Apprentice, where I, Rin, a lifelong Tolkien fan, walk my friend Sam, a new Tolkien fan, through The Lord of the Rings.
1: It's me. I'm Sam. I'm the other one.
0: And if you hear any sniffling or sneezing that we don't manage to edit out, I'm so sorry. It is spring. Mm -hmm. And currently all of the trees are just
1: jizzing into the air. (laughs) See, this is a problem because with that metaphor... I I am a known monster fucker. I feel like I need to disclose this for the purposes of the podcast. It doesn't seem to be relevant yet. I'm sure it will be. But as a known monster fucker, I have recently read, I finished it this morning, uh, Morning Glory Milking Farm, which is about minotaurs, and the title implies exactly what you think it would imply. So the idea of <laughs> that substance just in the air. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not too far off. <laughs> I hate it. Thank you. It's it's a public service that no one asked me for, and I make everyone's lives worse by talking about it, so it's public disservice, but I am also very sniffly for matching hankies. This is one that I stole from you accidentally.
0: This is a reminder for all of our listeners that this podcast is tagged explicit. I mean, it's literally on the tin. True. So... Um, it is what it says on the tin if you are if you are listening to this podcast you should have seen the explicit tag anyway as we said we are going through the lord of the rings and we are currently on the fellowship of the ring last time we talked about chapters 1 and 2 which means uh following how this works we are today on chapter 3 3 is company and we should hopefully be covering up through chapter 5 uh a conspiracy unmasked mm, spooky yes so um do you have anything else you want to get to before we start
1: so just briefly i don't think we touched on this last time but at the tail end of chapter 2 gandalf talks about how he is assigning frodo which i'm going to have to try so hard not to accidentally call him bilbo if i do it's an accident. We know I'm talking about Frodo. But he gives him a new name. He gives him a traveling name. Um, Mr. Underhill. Which is fun. And I like the idea of a traveling name. Both I mean because he's going to be doing stuff that's very dangerous and so people shouldn't know his real name. But it's just kind of a nice concept. He's taking on a new identity for his big journey.
0: It's very queer. It's very it queer. It's changing of the names for different parts of your life Mm -hmm. um a name a name is something that you are but a name is also something that you can put on and take off as it suits you Mm. and as you need it it is a tool that serves you in the end
1: that's really beautiful i like that I was also thinking about names because I obviously share a name with one of our main characters and I always feel an immediate kinship with any character named Sam. So I'm glad that this Sam is just this wonderful sweetheart, but if he was terrible, I don't know how I would feel.
0: This Sam is just thoroughly perfect. Samwise Gamgee is the best. Mm -hmm. And we're going to discuss a little bit more about them in a minute, but I do want to say right at the top of three is company we get two or three weeks had passed and still frodo had made no sign of getting ready to go frodo is me <laughs> i am frodo baggins
1: yeah um
0: <laughs> i am notorious for not being ready to go in a timely fashion um i am late to everything and i I, I am so bad about starting tasks or starting things.
1: And specifically Frodo is um, moving. I remember when you moved into this apartment where you currently live, it being the day or two before and me asking you if you were fully packed, you were like, haha, no. Uh,
0: the morning of, like my parents showed up with a van to help me move. And I was like, I had like most of my stuff together. Mostly. Like, luckily, like, my roommate, who I am still friends with, remained in that apartment. Um, And, like, I could get back in to get these several things that I forgot. Yeah. Um, Because her boyfriend was moving in, so I was, I was moving out. But, anyway, we talk about, Bill, uh, Bill, though. See, I did it. See, it's, they have really similar
1: names. So, it's.
0: Oh, we're about to talk about that, too. Yeah. Anyway, um. But they, they Frodo is talking about, you know, oh, why don't, why don't we push this off a little bit? Why don't, we, why don't we do it in the autumn, after our birthday? I love that he still calls it our birthday, despite the fact that Bilbo has been gone for 17 years. Yeah, He hasn't heard hide nor hair of Bilbo for 17 years, but it is still our birthday.
1: There's so many things about this that just stab me in the heart. Every other line in my notes is just sobbing, crying, so sad. I am a very weepy person just in general. I don't think I've actually shed real tears over this book yet, but internally, emotionally, I am crying constantly.
0: So many. Um, But, you know, as, as someone who also has to leave for reasons beyond my control right around my birthday this year and has to move across town um under i understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) i understand frodo's plight um and frodo's just like i have no idea where i'm going Mm -hmm. yet and gandalf goes go to rivendell just just start in rivendell you'll figure it out so helpful gandalf thank you i love that that's his solution is i'm gonna send the hobbits to the elves and it's gonna be the elves problem and so Bilbo, fuck Frodo. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> it's we. It's because we just also like spent weeks talking about The Hobbit.
1: Yeah, it's really deeply ingrained. This. The, oh, sorry. No. Oh, ahead. I was gonna say this um, is now. Leading up to his preparing to go and selling his hospital to the Sackville Bagginses, boo his tomato tomato. But all of that is really just lead up to a line that I know that both you and I have highlighted. Would you like to do the honors
0: that Otho had died some years before at the ripe but disappointed age of one hundred and two?
1: That is a good one. But the one after that. <laughs> There you go, you found it. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you wanna do you wanna read this for our audience? Sure.
1: Our explicit our explicit podcast audience. I've already decided that I'm coming out strong, horny on Maine today on the podcast. So I'll I'll bear this burden. <clears throat> Just why Mr. Frodo was selling his beautiful hole was even more debatable than the price. And I don't think that really needs any embellishment or further commentary. I just need everyone to know that that line exists and is presented in the book totally neutrally, just there. And then we have Mm -hmm. to continue on with our day like normal. Yep. Anyway. um, He did buy another house, so that's nice, I guess. Well, uh,
0: Mary Brandybuck was looking out for a nice little hole for him or possibly a small house. (laughs)
1: Listen, we all can benefit from a good wing person in our lives, and I'm glad that Mary is looking out. Yeah, um,
0: I I do have noted here that Gandalf is the worst house guest. Yeah. He stayed for two months, and we have it noted that, like, in the previous chapter, he comes and he goes with no warning, he'll stay for anywhere between literally, like, eight hours to weeks at a time, Mm -hmm. um... You never know if he's going to bring 13 dwarves to your home (laughs) or what terrible quest you're going to get dragged on or whether he's going to disappear for nine years and you're just not ever going to see him or whether he's going to explode a fiery dragon over your town. Mm. Uh, He is the worst house guest. This is true.
1: Yes. And I kind of have a feeling that he isn't helping with the dishes he probably does some cool magic stuff to be somewhat useful but he is just fully doing his own thing no the dwarves at least
0: did the dishes true gandalf does not do dishes um it's it's a wizardly privilege it's it's the second corollary to our first law (laughs) of fantasy which is that um Wizards don't do dishes.
1: He should check his wizard privilege, honestly. Yes. And speaking of Gandalf, Uh, sorry, do you have something? No. What were you going to say about that? Oh, I was going to say that this is not the first time that this has been brought up. But it seems like Gandalf is trying really hard to keep it together. But Frodo is really perceptive and can tell that he's worried. And he remarks on this several times that... You know, Gandalf is trying to be chipper, but Frodo is like, "Eh, he seems really stressed the fuck out.
0: Which is wild, because, like, all through The Hobbit, we see Gandalf being calm and cool and collected when faced with a dragon. And so the fact that Gandalf is now, like, obviously worried, we know shit's bad. Yeah. This immensely powerful being is worried. So shit is very, very bad. I do want to sort of move on to Frodo packing up and he assembles his army of queer people to help him move out, mm-hmm. um, which any queer person who has ever moved knows that is how you move. You assemble a small army of queer friends. indeed, And um, you move. Uh, it does note Frodo's special friends, Pippin and Took and Mary Brandybuck, which for the record, I know there there are many people who like to read Couples on these characters. And we might have even discussed this last time.
1: We did a little bit. Yeah. Um,
0: A little bit. I'm perfectly happy to read. uh, Sam. As a couple with Frodo. I do also love them as a queer platonic. Relationship. Uh, But all three of the other hobbits. Are related. Hmm. Frodo and Mary and Pippin. Are all related. Sort of about the same amount. Um, Pippin and Merry are third cousins Merry and Frodo are second cousins once removed So Bilbo's mother, Belladonna Took Was the sister of Mirabella Took Who was Merry's great-grandmother And Pippin and Frodo are third cousins once removed Pippin is the child of Frodo's third cousin
1: I am trying to envision this in my mind as a family tree And it is just washing over me But the point that they are related does stand
0: they, they are related, and um, interestingly, Bilbo is related to both Mary and Pippin in, like, two different ways. Mm. Frodo is related on one side to Marion, and on one side to Pippin, and then Merry and Pippin are related, mm-hmm. but not in the same way that they, they're related to Frodo. Um, Sam is not related to any of them. Um, he will, in theory, eventually be related to Pippin wait how Uh, through descent and marriage
1: i am confusion
0: we'll get there okay Uh, that's end. that's end of return of the king stuff um but i do i do just want to like note a couple of fun little things the sackville bagginses are bilbo's second cousins and frodo is otho sackville baggins second cousin once removed Mm -hmm. uh lobelia so otho of course is dead at this point lobelia sackville baggins was born lobelia Bracegirdle. she is related only by marriage mm-hmm. bilbo's father bungo uh was brothers he had he had uh two brothers and two sisters right longo and fosco baggins mm-hmm. and two sisters rosa and belba belba baggins Married into the Bolger family and is the uh, great grandmother of Fatty Bolger, Frederick R. Bolger, who we see coming up through these chapters. Rosa Baggins is the great grandmother of Pippin Peregrine Took. Okay. Uh, Longo Baggins is the father of Otho Sackville Baggins. Okay. and Fosco Baggins is the grandfather of Frodo Baggins
1: that's so many things <laughs> I admire it your is. dedication figuring all of that out
0: it is I'm literally looking at a family tree <laughs> yeah so that is how all of them are related to each other and of course Bilbo Bilbo is has some took in him as was mentioned in the Hobbit um interestingly at, oh and Mary has some Took in him Mary's mother is Esmeralda Took mm-hmm. Oh no I totally su- uh Mary and Pippin are first cousins Okay Pippin's father Paladin Took the 2nd dope name Uh yes Her, his sister was Esmeralda Took who is Meriadoc Brandybuck's mother. Okay. Um, They are also related a little bit further back, too, but that's a whole other uh, issue. They're related through Hildegrim Took and Mirabella Took uh, a couple of generations back, too. So um, there's just some lovely little inbreeding going on Mm -hmm. here. Great. It's not, like, terrible inbreeding, but esmeralda took and Saradoc brandy book mary mary's parents were uh let me count back so we have um first cousin they were second cousins um second
1: cousins is still pretty close yeah, that's a no, bit, it's too Yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah. I have second cousins who I just consider as my first cousins because I don't know the difference of how cousins work and what's removed and twice removed. I don't understand how any of that works. So to me, it's all just cousins.
0: Yeah. No, I I'm in agreement with that's weird that that's weird. I, you know, go to Thanksgiving at my the home of my second cousins uh, all the time. Um, that is our. That is where we do Thanksgiving and where we do Christmas. Are they the ones with the giant so, dog? They are the ones with the giant Please
1: dog. Please tell the good people about the giant dog real quick.
0: The giant dog is a Great Pyrenees and he is the gentlest being. And he is
1: big He is paws. the size of a polar bear.
0: He has giant paws um, and he is so gentle and he is so large and he is so fuzzy and I love him so much.
1: Anyway. Speaking of. Yes. But oh, sorry. There you go.
0: But I know that I said, Mary and Pippin earlier, were third cousins. They are third cousins. They are also first cousins.
1: Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> nice and messy.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yike. Mm-hmm. So that's why that uh, family tree looks so fucking messy. The branches are a little um, bit
1: tangled.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was something that I wanted to sort of bring up. Um, I also want to bring up too, because this is going to be our party, our, our little party of four hobbits, right? Frodo is fifty years old. He was born in thirteen sixty eight of the Shire reckoning. It will be currently fourteen eighteen Shire reckoning, as they leave the Shire. Uh, Sam is the next oldest. He is thirty eight, so he is twelve years younger. A younger, younger man. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, Mary is two years younger. He was born in thirteen eighty two so he's thirty six so he is of age, but only by a few years mm-hmm. and pippin Pippin's a teenager <gasps> Pippin oh no pippin Pippin is twenty eight years old. he was born in
1: thirteen ninety Pippin oh, you're a baby. What are you doing so in danger?
0: Pippin, Pippin is essentially like a seventeen year old or an eighteen year old, like following these like, you know, Mary's like a college grad. Sam is Sam didn't go to college, but he's um of a similar age. And then Frodo is like their older friend who's a solid ten years older who they met through work or
1: something. <laughs> their older cousin. Pippin is that explains why he's so why such a pain (laughs) he's still he's still growing into himself
0: i do want to sort of keep an eye on this uh uh, you know pippin being the young impulsive one the other thing that i want to keep an eye on as we go through we know because it's been mentioned that the tooks are adventurous Mm -hmm. right the tooks have that spark they they go on adventures. They invent golf by killing goblins and knocking their heads down holes. <laughs> and it's mentioned in The Hobbit multiple times that like Bilbo feels that Tookish fire in him. Uh, of our of our three gentle hobbits, uh, Pippin, Merry, and Frodo, Frodo does not have any Took in his recent family tree. Hmm uh, Frodo, well, he's got a little bit, he's, but not nearly as much as the other two. Frodo is a Brandybuck and a Baggins and a Bolger. He is descended from Mirabella Took, I suppose. So I want to sort of keep an eye on this bunch as we go forward, um, on whether or not, you know, sort of the adventurousness that we see from Pippin and Merry versus the adventurousness that we see from Frodo.
1: I like that. I will be keeping an eye on that as well.
0: Right? Because Pippin, Merry, and Bilbo all have Tooks as parents. Mm-hmm. Frodo's last Took ancestor was his grandmother, mm-hmm. Mirabella Took, So, who is the daughter of the old Took. So I wonder, I have to wonder how how adventurous, how that's going to affect his adventurousness. Anyway, now that we have had that
1: tangent. Very important tangent. This is good background, good unpacking, because I would not have had the patience to figure all that out on my own. I was
0: sitting on my porch with a little bee buzzing around and... I was just like, this feels right to figure this out, to do some Hobbit genealogy. Yeah. I'm going to switch on a light. It's getting dark
1: in Good here. Good idea. Well, you do that, speaking of family members, just briefly to shade Lobelia some more. She shows up and does some stuff that's not important. But it ends with another Frodo did not offer her any tea, period. Which is the most stone cold and also... I would like to be offered tea by Frodo. I think that would be lovely.
0: I I did write down th- that exact bit. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember, this book was written by an Oxford professor. Mm-hmm. Like, to us Americans, we know that's an insult. But I am sure to Tolkien's English audience, that is a grave fucking insult. That is fighting words. That is hold a grudge for generations,
1: <laughs> bullshit. Uh, yeah, to me, I'm just aware that that's not even impolite because in American culture, you know, if you're a good host, you'll offer somebody something to drink, but it's not really expected. Um, and so I can get through context that that's sort of shady, but yeah, remembering that this is an English man, it's like, oh no. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's who. (laughs) Um, They also, Frodo does, um, they have a little birthday supper before he leaves, Mm -hmm. and they drink the last of the good wine. Yeah,
1: I noticed that.
0: Because they absolutely did not sell any of it (laughs) to the Sackville Bagginses. They can have Bag End, but they sure as shit cannot have anything else in it. Hell yeah. So... Mary and Fatty Bolger go off to uh, Buckland, to Crick Hollow. And Gandalf had said he'd be back. And Gandalf is not back. We've never had this happen. Gandalf has always been cryptic about, like, where he's going and when he's coming back. But now he says he's coming back and he doesn't. Mm. And that's concerning
1: just a bit just a wee bit
0: yeah um but they
1: they get up and get going we get more of sam (laughs) being absolutely perfect and he's saying that he could carry a lot more stuff and that his packet is quite light said sam stoutly and untruthfully but he's just he's really dedicated if Frodo asked him to carry more stuff he would but as he's straining under his heavy pack he's like I can carry more stuff I can do it he's so sweet um I also just um
0: I love the bit too where you know Sam comes up from the cellar wiping his mouth he had been saying farewell to the beer barrel in the (laughs) cellar
1: I love this man's priorities he's a hobbit And we get so much hobbitiness from them, even just in these couple of chapters that we read in preparation for today, that they stop and take lots of breaks and eat lots of food. This is not yet the slog through the wilderness with a bunch of dwarves. These are four people who have the same priorities. They find time for a hot bath later on, and that's sort of getting ahead of ourselves. But I do love just a bunch of hobbits together is a fun dynamic.
0: I do. I also, like, do want to note that, technically speaking, uh, Bilbo would have traveled over this same country in The Hobbit with the dwarves. Mm -hmm. He'd have gone along sort of this same road with them. But the dwarves were very sort of set on getting out of the Shire and getting through. Anyway, they, um, it, it does say, you know, Frodo turns, he waved his hand and then turned and following Bilbo, if he had known it, hurried after Peregrine down the garden path.
1: More just internal sobbing. It's fine. It's fine. It's all
0: fine. It's adorable. I also love, you know, you get the little bit of like hobbits. They're trying to be silent. So they make no noise, not even that the animals can really hear. And they had a, and it does say er later too, they had a frugal supper in parentheses for hobbits. (laughs) So we know that shit was a gorgeous spread. Yeah. That was like how you and I like to design our picnics mm-hmm. with fresh bread. And I mean, it was probably day old bread at this point, but like multiple
1: types of cheese. Yeah,
0: multiple types of little dried sausages and little fruits and things. Um, a balsamic glaze. Mm-hmm.
1: Essential.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um we do have here an intelligent fox.
1: Yeah, and we just get to pop inside its mind for a minute.
0: I I kind of love it. I kind of love the what's what's the phrase? I know like third person limited is sort of like following one character and one character's thoughts in the third person. Third person omniscient. Yes. yes. I remember high school English.
1: We're gay. Um, of course we remember high school English. Ooh. <laughs> did you have a good high school English teacher or did you have a bad one? Because I know that redacted school was kind of messy when it came to teachers.
0: I had a couple of lovely high school English teachers and a couple of less lovely high school English teachers. Fair. Um, it was, it was pretty much half and half. I had two, two that I really liked and two that I Was not a huge fan of. Um, And one of whom told me uh, on my senior thesis, we had like, or not a thesis. It was like a senior project thing. We had to write a big paper for it and told me that I could not use the singular they um, in my paper uh, to refer to anyone because it was grammatically incorrect and that she would take points off if I did. Hmm. Uh, and i had to use he or she and i was like we're having this discussion on the tail end of our gender unit where i specifically brought up trans people Mm -hmm. because you didn't bring up trans people once in the entire gender unit this is like 2015 2014 2015 mind you yeah so um and i being a baby trans uh a baby non-binary, was having a time
1: with that. Anyway. My high school English teacher, for the record, Mr. Doherty, love him. If that is enough information for someone to dox me and find out what school I went to, then I'm impressed with your skills. But anyway, he was fantastic. And I took multiple classes with him. And I think he taught my AP lit class. But he also, I think after I graduated, took over the running of our GSA from the awful teacher who was running it before who nobody liked and so i am very glad that it was left in his capable hands afterwards because he's the best i think i'm still facebook friends with him anyway okay um speaking of gender just a briefly touching on hobbit gender theory once again there's just a brief when they're out on the road waking up in the morning and i literally was about to say bilbo Frodo uh, says, "Wake up, hobbits!" He cried. It's a beautiful morning, which is so lovely and cute. But he says that in the same way that a different adventuring party would be like, "Wake up, men!" You know, rallying their group, and
0: or like, you know, all right, boys. Yeah,
1: it's in that same way mm-hmm. where normally, in if we're dealing with a human group, there would be some kind of gender term there, but in this case, it's hobbits. And I'm like, yeah, that is, that is correct.
0: It is Hobbits. Um, I do want to flash right back to the Fox mm-hmm. real quick. Just yes, because yes, we got our, our lovely, intelligent Fox, our lovely, intelligent Fox is very, it's very obvious that this is mighty queer, mm-hmm. uh, that this is a lovely little queer platonic trio <laughs> that we have going on here um, with Pippin and Sam and Frodo.
1: And yeah.
0: We do we do have Sam very much still in sort of the servant role right now.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to talk about that because right after my gender theory note, I can't tell how Pippin specifically and then Mary later on, but how Pippin feels about him if he respects Sam. Because Sam is very much in his sort of servant mode right now. And I just I can't really tell. How the other hobbits are perceiving him at the moment? They they say some stuff that I can't tell if it's joking or if it's mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw at one point sort of a a, like Sam. Sam is serving as uh, as Frodo's valet, Mm -hmm. essentially, or Frodo Frodo's Batman, Mm -hmm. Um, and. You know, we've you and I have talked a little bit before about Tolkien's history in the military Mm -hmm. and Tolkien serving in the First World War, in which he would have very much been familiar with the concept of like a nobleman going into war with his valet. Um, Valet? Valet? I think it's valet. I don't know. Um, I have not been exposed to the French
1: language. Um, or words that derive from French? I know quite a lot of French. I have spent many years studying French formally, and I still don't know or don't care when you're saying words with the French origin in an English context. I'm not going to be one of those people who's like croissants or whatever. You know, I think that's pretentious. Sorry to my friends who have studied abroad in France and do that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't care. It's fine. If we accidentally or on purpose insult the French language, I think we can handle that.
0: Uh, I think, and now that all of our listeners uh, who have French as their (laughs) native language have left. um, (laughs) I said what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are, uh, that's what I'm like, where is my notes? It's because I'm on Wikipedia. But we get another verse of Rhodes. Yeah. And well, and it's the same verse of Rhodes, actually, that Bilbo says in chapter Mm -hmm. one. Um, But there is one difference. Oh, what's the difference? I didn't catch that. In chapter one, Bilbo says the line, pursuing it with eager feet. And here we get pursuing it with weary feet. Oh, and I think that is the difference in which these two are setting out on this adventure. Mm-hmm. Frodo knows he is going into something dangerous and dark. And Bilbo was going, hopefully, for a last adventure and to rest. So Weary would fit for Bilbo, but Bilbo still had that eagerness around him. Yeah. Whereas Frodo is already tired and his journey's barely even begun. And he makes other comments about, like, he's going to ar- he's going to be thin and drawn and worn by the time he gets to Buckland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been some time since he's done any sort of hard walking. Um,
1: yeah, he did not he's... train for this the way people train for, like, the Appalachian Trail. He's just going, he's just starting off with, no preparation. So we'll see how that goes for him. I hope he stretches. Fair enough. This is, and unfortunately, Frodo does
0: not have the good humor of Bill Bryson's walk in the woods where Bill Bryson just goes and tries to do the Appalachian trail and doesn't necessarily succeed, but comes away with a good love of it. So if anyone hasn't read that, it's a great time. It's a fun read. Um, It almost made me want to do the Appalachian trail. And then I was like, I've, i don't know if i'm cut out for that
1: (laughs) it sounds like a lot as someone who is married to someone who has ambitions of doing the at it seems very intense
0: um when your spouse does the at i'll go and join them for like a week stretch at a time
1: somewhere Mm -hmm. oh that'll be cute pretty now i'm just thinking about you guys hiking together that's nice
0: anyway um and then we get a creepy motherfucker.
1: Yeah, no, fuck this. After we make such a big deal about how sneaky and low key they're being, we get this terrifying horse and rider. No, thank you.
0: Where now is the horse and the rider? Where is the horn that is blowing? That is a poem from later. <laughs> That's book two, I think. Book two, book three. It's one. Your of them. guess is better than mine. Uh, But it's a full-sized horse and a disturbing figure who is looking or smelling Mm. for them. And Frodo feels like he wants to put on the ring. Uh, But, and Sam is like, oh yeah, uh, the gaffer said he saw one of them. And Frodo's like, oh, that's bad. Yeah um so here we have uh our first note of this is not a walk in the woods this is a flight from danger um but they are still trying to keep up their spirits we have a little walking song
1: yeah we get so many songs in this chapter
0: we get so many songs in this chapter i think frankly um I used to be part of one of those one of those organizations that takes young young people young children and uh, sticks them in the woods uh, to build character and skills and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, One of those lovely organizations that's fairly well known. And so I spent a lot of time hiking in the woods as a child and. I did for for a while when I was part of sort of the youth leadership of that group. Um, I managed on some of our, our trips to get us doing like walking songs
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and singing while we're hiking. And I love that. I think we need more walking songs.
1: It is delightful. My similar context with that is I went to church camp for many, 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 many years, which... I found out during probably the second or third time we hung out that it was also the same church camp where your roommate went and that we were there at the same time, which was amazing. We both lost our minds over that little bit of knowledge, but we would do similar with our Jesus y church songs. And despite the Christianity of it all, it was really nice. It was really fun and great to have just some songs that everybody knew and to walk along singing them together. I have a vivid memory of being like, somewhere between the age of 12 and 14 in this big chain where I had like linked arms with like five or six other girls. And we were just walking across the field singing the song together and it was so nice and so lovely. It's great. That's fun.
0: Yeah, no, we, we have this one. We have a bath song later. I think we need more songs. We have a drinking song that gets sung as a road song. Mm -hmm. I've, I have often lamented to friends and my parents that Americans in general, we don't have enough like bits of folk music that we all know that you can start singing anywhere, anytime, and everyone is going to know it. We have a few. I mean, we've got like, but they're not folk music. We've got like Mr. Brightside. <laughs> everyone fucking knows Mr. Brightside. Everyone fucking knows Bohemian Rhapsody. But that is not the same
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, as a piece of folk music as you know, going into an Irish pub and everyone knows the Ratlin bog or something similar. That is not the same as when I lived in Denmark and was sitting around the table for my host dad's birthday. And his family sang like four songs all together mm-hmm. And all of them like it wasn't just like you know, happy birthday to, it, no. they were like f- they were singing for like a solid like five or six minutes damn. And it was all in Danish and my even you know my Danish at that point, which was not bad, was still not anywhere near good enough to pick it up. So I have no idea what was said. But it was all like, but my host mom was telling me after, like, oh, you know, like, these are, this is common. This is part of, you know, this just happens at like a Danish birthday celebration. People know these bits of music. People know these songs. And actually, at one point, I, I did a, photo- I was doing a photography class while I was there. And uh, as part of my photography class, I was following around this Danish musician Um, who was playing at some woman's 40th birthday party. So I went along and I took photographs and actually the band played at least two of those songs Mm -hmm. that my host family had sung around the table. Um, So like it clearly is, it's something that people know and we just don't have that.
1: I have said, maybe I've even said it before on this podcast. I don't want to be a parent but now I do want to have a little Danish baby that can go to little Danish baby's birthday parties <laughs> and grow up and learn a bunch of songs. I'm like, oh, that sounds lovely, actually. I'm going to tell my spouse I want to change our whole life plan be like, hey, <laughs> let's go have a Danish baby. Let's move
0: to Denmark. <laughs> not, not just any baby, just a Danish yeah, baby. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> or, you know, comparable. <laughs> Uh, you both being americans yeah well it would be danish if it was born in denmark right sure <laughs> um that'll anyway, be my reason for uh, entering the country that's what i'll tell the customs people and they'll be like oh yeah that seems reasonable rock that's solid plan. definitely
0: okay um the last verse of this the home is behind the world ahead verse mm-hmm. that is sung by billy boyd who plays pippin in Return of the King.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was, I was reading this, like, why am I suddenly feeling apprehensive? Because Billy Boyd sings this in a very slowed down adjusted and minor key. Ooh, And it's, and eliminates the world behind and home ahead. So the, the, the song that Billy Boyd sings is, you know, home is behind the world ahead. And there are many paths to tread. Through shadow to the edge of night, until the stars are all alight, mist and t- mist and shadow, cloud and shade, all shall fade. All shall fade. No thanks. Um, and it's at a very uh, dark part of the story, mm-hmm. and so reading this now right at the beginning with that context in my brain, I was like, Oh, Oh, oh no. I, I, what's about to happen. Cause I, I tried to do some research, tried to find, cause it's been a while since I've read this book, um, whether or not there is an adjustment in which he sings this later on. And I don't think he does. Uh, I don't think Pippin sings this in, return of the king but we'll we'll keep an eye out for mm-hmm. it anyway but then we get elves
1: yeah and another song because why not another song. and i had um, questions about this song um yes i'm gonna let you try to pronounce in the format that will be heard by other people whatever is the thing that starts with e who is that what is that is that a named female character maybe who, who what is that please tell me about it
0: elbereth
1: elbereth, elbereth. okay elbereth
0: uh elbereth Kirthoniel. um that uh is a Valar. that is one of the gods Ooh. Strictly speaking, the, their their name is Varda. Um, but in Sindarin, the language of the elves, or one of the languages of the elves, uh, they're called Elbereth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Varda Elentari which sounds like I'm making her name Italian, but um, Elbereth Gilthonian, she is queen of the Valar. Queen of the uh, queen of this group of gods, essentially. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they are actually gods is up for debate. Ooh, spicy! Um, the Silmarillion is not super clear on that, and Tolkien, being a Christian, sort of adopts the same. Uh, I I would liken the way that he refers to the Valar as a similar way that Snorri Sturluson refers to the Aesir in the Prose Edda as, you know, powerful beings, great heroes um, that shaped the world as it is. But were are not gods. Mm-hmm. There's only one God. Sure. Of course. But anyway, we get we get an elvish walking song. And it's sung in the common tongue. But uh, Frodo hears Elbereth and he knows these are high elves. These are uh, and they they greet each other and the elves are hesitant to bring them along. They express that sassily. Yeah, of course, Um, because elves are subject to the first law. Mm hmm. Elves are magical beings, therefore they are subject to the law that magic makes you dramatic. And in Elvish, it, it tends to be more they're sassy about yeah. that But, <laughs> um, but they're they're hesitant to bring them al- bring the hobbits along until they mention the Black Riders and the fact that they've had two encounters with them so far. Mm. Um. And the elves are like, hmm, you better come with us. Yeah,
1: like we shouldn't talk about this here in the open.
0: Um, and Frodo greets them in the this langu- in their language because he's studied some of it.
1: Si lumen elvo.
0: A star shines upon the hour of our
1: meeting. And the elves, of course, respond sassily to that and go, oh, don't tell any secrets around this guy.
0: I have the most glorious tangent
1: to that. Please, please tell me.
0: Back in years and years and years ago, I was in New York. Um, oh, I think I know this one. With with my mm-hmm. family. And we went to this little Italian place on, oh God, I want to say it was Upper West Side? Upper East Side? It was one of them. One of the Upper Sides. It was upper something. Mm-hmm. One of the Upper Sides. And... Like the entire staff of this place was Italian from Italy, Um, and so of course Italian is getting thrown around between all the servers and between the um, the kitchen staff, and like you can hear it flying everywhere. And my dad, being who he is, um, said something in Italian, and I don't remember what it was to our server uh, or to the owner who was like walking by um and later on one of the like they clearly were like using italian to like insult someone who had just left or like say something slightly sassy Mm -hmm. and the server was like like literally like said to the room like you can't say that shit (laughs) this dude (laughs) understands you (laughs) and but also i have to wonder like you're in New York City, the fucking most international city in in the United States, where, you know, probably a quarter of the city speaks a romance language anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, how long do you think you're going to get away with shit?
1: <laughs> it depends how good their food is, I guess. I,
0: I mean, it was excellent. I do remember it was incredible. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. I think the chef was from Florence or something. Just mm. anyway, uh, but yes, the the hey, don't say anything stupid, this dude understands you <laughs> um is a lovely little bit. I also I was trying to listen to I uh, people pronouncing that bit of elvish, mm-hmm. and I found a small recording of Tolkien saying, "Ooh,
1: that's really cool,
0: Ellen. And I definitely did not get that quite right. He puts the emphasis in Omentielvo on the second part. It's like Omentielvo, or it's not quite. I'm also pronouncing it like an Italian, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like you'd pronounce that as an Italian word. Ellen Silla Lumen Omentielvo. Not quite. Unfortunate. But... Anyway, you know, they go along with the
1: elves for a while an <laughs>
0: and they start to get tired. And then what happens, Sam?
1: That. Um, so this was kind of unclear to me what specifically happens with their shelter situation. But in terms of their conversation, um Frodo presses about the Black Riders and gildor question mark how do you say okay gildor good i'm so afraid of embarrassing myself and saying something horribly wrong um but gildor won't tell him because he worries and i literally wrote bilbo instead of frodo in my notes (laughs) because he worries that frodo will be too scared to continue if he tells him more about the black riders so clearly he knows something and that's comforting but they don't really get a lot of specific information out of him there is a sweet moment where Frodo stays awake talking with Gildor and Sam is like curled up at his feet and this isn't written in the text but it was written by me in a text to you ages ago about how he's definitely like you know stroking Sam's hair at this point there is some affectionate physical contact happening between these two there simply must be
0: but oh of course there's there's no way that there can't yeah
1: no it's um
0: in in the way that we're reading this yeah absolutely
1: and then we get a quote which made me angry because it's a good quote but i recognize it from a stupid source so um they're talking about oh maybe ask gandalf for information and then gildor says But it is said, do not meddle in the affairs of wizards, for they are subtle and quick to anger. The choice is yours to go or wait. But of course, that makes me think of the stupid fucking T-shirt that's like, do not meddle in the (laughs) affairs of dragons, for you are crunchy and good with ketchup. And that just made me so mad because originally it was such a good quote and it just makes you think of the stupid shirt. And then I realized that there is also a second half to the quote, because of course this is a witty back and forth. Where Frodo says, and it is also said, answered Frodo, go not to the elves for counsel, for they will say both no and yes, which I love. So at least we get some sass out of it. But I was just mad, A, that we weren't getting information, and B, that this good quote was turned into a stupid shirt. And that's all I can think of when I hear it.
0: Well, I mean, that is what happens with the father of modern fantasy, mm-hmm. right? We are so. Like Tolkien's, Tolkien's work has been taken and run with. That feels grammatically wrong. But I get, we're I gonna get the point. It's it. fine. You do. I hope. I hope our listeners do as well. Anyway, it, but yeah, elves seldom give unguarded advice. For advice is a dangerous gift, even from the wise to the wise, and all courses may run ill. Hmm. So I'm adding uh, another corollary okay. to our first law, which is sufficiently magical beings uh, will only speak in service to the plot. Hmm. Or something to that effect. I like it. We'll, we'll tweak it a little bit, but we're getting this with Gandalf. We're getting this with Gildor I'm going to get this with fucking Elrond. Like, all of these magical, powerful beings who we know we're supposed to go to for advice are not going to give any fucking advice. Mm -hmm. And I do this as a, as a when I'm playing a, you know, a character as a dungeon master. When my players are like, you know, go to the great wizard and they're like, help. I'm like, hmm. Well, you could do A or you could do B. <laughs> and who's to say what will happen? And they're like, really? Fuck you. And I'm like, yeah, um, that's the point.
1: I also feel like there's a little bit of the I'm not going to be held responsible for whatever you do based on my advice. This is for entertainment purposes only you know you can take this information but if you go and get killed because you followed it it's not really my problem yeah yeah that's that's
0: very much a bit of it there is another line in here that i want us to think about and to watch Mm -hmm. before we move on um and actually before we do that i want to Jump back a little bit, you had said you're not really sure what their lodgings are here. I almost wasn't either. I had to read it like two or three yeah. times.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it does sort of look like as if they find a clearing, some sort of clearing that either the elves have set up ahead of time or they have magically activated or stumbled into almost like those clearings in Mirkwood in The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. In which it's set up for feasting and for parties and for merriment. Um, I'm almost seeing it as back in back in our D D campaign, uh, where you you as our DM gave us the lovely in the understory. Oh
1: yeah, I did do that.
0: You did do that, which was in Inn, where the walls and the the roof were just giant trees.
1: Yes. So specifically, it was two trees and they were huge like I don't know circumferences but you know easily like a hundred feet around like enormous trees one on each end and then they had these branches that went up and made this canopy of the ceiling and it had little twinkly lights all up in the leaves and little spots where you could peek through and see the sky but it was magical so it didn't rain or get cold or gross or anything and it was so cozy and made of trees and wonderful. And it was run by a furbolg lady who had adorable little babies who you had rescued. It was great.
0: Yeah. So that's almost what I was thinking of was something like the understory. Nice and
1: cute before I killed a player character. <laughs> or was that after I killed a player character?
0: That was after you killed a player character. <laughs> to make
1: up for <laughs> killing a player
0: character. Oops. Anyway. Um, But the line that I want us to keep an eye on here mm-hmm. is Gildor saying Uh, is Frodo asking Gildor, but where shall I find courage? Asked Frodo. That is what I chiefly need. Courage is found in unlikely places, said Gildor. Be of good hope. Sleep now. In the morning we shall have gone, but we will send our messages through the lands. Courage is found in unlikely places. Hmm. Where is the party finding their courage? Where is that courage coming from Who is showing that courage and why? And I want to pay attention to that throughout this story. So now that we've spent an hour on chapter three, do you have anything and associated tangents? Do you have anything else for chapter three?
1: Let me see. And now, of course, Firefox is freezing, so it'll be second
0: the intelligent Firefox, the intelligent Mm. fox that is uh, uh, saying that this is a queer platonic.
1: The fox that cares about your privacy. Oh, the uh, the only other thing that I wanted to mention from chapter three is that we just get a little bit of fun constellations as they're walking around at night and some descriptions of this one is rising and this one has some cool stars in it. And it all just sort of washed over me. I didn't pick out anything specific, but I thought it was nice and it enriched the world and gave me a very pleasant vision of walking at night. So A plus to that. Also, right. imagine walking at night. Just imagine being able to do that and the only thing you're worried about being dark riders. Wow. I mean, I don't know. That's
0: that's sort of what I worry about here, living in a city, mm. walking at night.
1: Yeah, no, that's what
0: I'm... Being a
1: femme of center person. <laughs> I go out with my big dog who is a big weenie, but I hope people don't know he's weenie and at least leave me alone. Um, but imagine just going on a he's... fun adventure at night and not stressing... So much that'd be great. See, Frodo should have brought a brought an American bully with him and get some of the dogs from all of his. The next chapter or two, I forget what chapter they come up. Yes, chapter four, a shortcut to mushrooms Yeah, some of Farmer Maggot's dogs. Get them.
0: Um, we get very quickly Pippin's little sass at Frodo, Mm -hmm. where Frodo is like, "I want to think." Good heavens," said Pippin at breakfast.
1: (laughs) yeah my note for this was bilbo wakes up in a beautiful living tree bed and he has a back bilbo and- fuck again i wrote <laughs> that god damn it but literally that was in my notes i listeners we're doing our best we're really trying frodo Wakes up in a bed made of living trees, and he has a back and forth with Pippin, who is asking him too many goddamn questions. This is a very "don't talk to me before I've had my second breakfast" kind of energy.
0: Yeah. Um, and and he and and Sam says, you know, basically, I would go to the ends of the earth. For he you. says he'd go to the moon for him. Um and. And Frodo asks him, you know, are, like, are you sure you want to keep coming on this dangerous adventure? You've seen elves now. Um, and Sam says, you know, they they seemed so old and young and so gay and sad, as it were. What a mood. Um, thanks, Sam. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Frodo says, Gandalf chose me a good companion. Yeah, he's good at that. Mm-hmm. That's a talent of his. He he knows how to pick them. Gandalf, if if we can assign one thing to Gandalf, he's a damn good talent scout.
1: <laughs> he puts people in fun dynamics. Also, for the record, I would go to the moon for you. I would go on a dangerous adventure with you.
0: Thanks, Sammy. Um, but, and so Frodo says he's content. We're going to go together. We're going to be okay. Um, Anyway, it Frodo gets Frodo goes, you know, are we ready to go? And Pippin's like, I dude, I've been ready to go for hours. Mm -hmm. That's come on. Come on, you old man. I do
1: feel for Pippin a little bit because I am a morning person and I do tend to be up and ready to start my day immediately. (laughs) So although I'm not as rude as Pippin, I do I do feel his frustration of like, come on, like if I am gonna go with my spouse to get breakfast for example. And they're like, okay, we're going to go out and get breakfast. And then it's like 1030 and they're still in bed. And I'm like, I thought we were getting breakfast. I'm hungry. I've been waiting for breakfast. And then I get hangry. And then that's just no good. Oof. Pippin also wants a drink, um, which Frodo vetoes Pippin, that. Pippin idea. wants
0: a drink and yeah. And he doesn't want to take a shortcut because shortcuts make long delays.
1: Which is such a good With, little phrase. And I feel like I'm going to use that in my such everyday a life. little phrase. It feels, it
0: feels related to me, like, like, it feels like it's related to Murphy's Law. Mm-hmm. Like, anything that can go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible moment. And Murphy's first corollary, the other line always moves faster.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we are talking a lot about universal laws here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, matter cannot be created or destroyed. Magic makes you dramatic. Anyway. Um, Pippin wants a drink but we get a walking and drinking song
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a drinking song repurposed as a walking song, but he is convinced, uh, by who creepy sounds that are definitely not a bird and definitely not a hobbit. Um, and definitely from creepy things following them to take a, a little bit of a, a detour.
1: um, and then what sammy so then i think there's some more things that happen in between but i skipped they like crawl through a ditch for a while um and they're being followed by the creepy black rider i skipped over most of that in my notes so we can revisit it in more detail if you want but what i skipped right to was the mushroom incident in frodo's youth that he had he recognizes the field that they're in. It's like, oh no, I was stealing mushrooms <laughs> from this guy when I was a kid. And he his dog scared the shit out of me. And then he brought me back to his house and beat me. And then told his dogs that they could eat me if I ever came back. So he is, you know, remembering all of this stuff from his youth. And And it has been, for the record, over 30 years. Yeah, it's been a very long time. But he is still like, oh shit. Like that incident left an impression but they have a much more pleasant encounter with the farmer farmer maggot who gives them some beer and welcomes them in and is totally fine and chill and nice about everything but sam is just being all huffy because he doesn't trust anyone who was unkind to frodo and i loved that he's like "Mm, i'll drink your beer but i'm a little suspicious of it i'm suspicious of you because you can't be that nice if you were mean to frodo one time which like don't beat people that's not good i'm not advocating for that but it was one thing that happened a super long time ago that frodo kind of deserved within the context of the story <laughs> but he's still just like mm, frodo can do no wrong so <laughs> and i love that anyway
0: um but they have their dinner their nice dinner with farmer lots Maggot and his his family and his farmhands lots of mushrooms and bacon and beer um and then Farmer Maggot goes to take them to the ferry. Uh and Mrs. Maggot sends Frodo off with a basket of mushrooms. Yeah.
1: I think Frodo calls her something like a queen among farmers' wives or something. He has very high praise for Mrs. Maggot. Yes. Incredible.
0: Um that that comes in the next chapter at one point when they're um when they're serving their second dinner. But they meet up with Mary. They think it might be a black rider, but it is Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into chapter five, a conspiracy on mass. Oh, one yes. more thing before
1: we go to chapter five, farmer maggots dogs answers a question that I have asked you previously in many of our conversations about whether or not hobbits have pets, because I have always thought that they seem like cat people and that they would do well with cats. But here we have evidence that they have dogs and these are working dogs. So they're not necessarily pet pets, but they're dogs. So that's close enough. They're dogs. We have Grip, Fang, and Wolf. Which, if anyone ever gets three dogs at the same time and needs names for them, that's amazing. And it would be equally good if you had, you know, like livestock guardian dogs or like big scary dogs or if you just had like some little tiny like Pomeranians or something. Like something not scary at all. Oh
0: my god. Imagine tiny little fucking Pomeranians. Anyway. But, yeah. Maggots encountered the Black Riders and it's like, no you know we might have had our disagreements in the past i'm not going to give you up to those motherfuckers uh they can stay the fuck off of my land you're always welcome Mm -hmm. don't steal my mushrooms but you're always welcome but anyway then he takes them on gives them gives them mushrooms and sends them on their way we get a little bit of history on the Brandybuck clan in the beginning of chapter five. That was
1: very fun. I, I don't think we need to get into it too much because it's sort of just in the way no. of exposition, but it was really fun and I enjoyed it a lot.
0: I, I like, we're going to get more of this. I do love Tolkien's habit of giving us a page to two pages of exposition because mm-hmm. I'm a world building nerd. You don't say. Tolkien's a world building nerd. And so us getting, bits about you know the Brandybuck clan being weird because they like boats and some of them can swim mm-hmm. uh, that's just very fun to me um, but we get a second dinner a second supper with the mushrooms at
1: Frodo's new house
0: at Frodo's new house that he got at Crick Hollow and a bath song the bath song the cutest thing in the universe and there's there's three bathtubs mm-hmm what and and this is supposed to be a modest home yeah this is supposed to be a he's downsizing from bag end
1: so how many bathtubs did bag end have and i am envisioning these three bathtubs all being in one room just from the way that they're described i feel like it would make more sense logistically for them to be in three separate rooms if we're thinking of sort of standard human architecture but there is something just so charming about all of the bathrooms being in one room i love it it's very fun i really enjoy it
0: um and we get we get our second supper um where frodo insists that he will serve the mushrooms Mm -hmm. um and then we get the reveal yes
1: i love this
0: Where Pippin is, you know, says that, you know, Cousin Frodo, uh, Cousin Frodo has been very close, but the time has come for him to open out. You know, basically we know you motherfucker we've seen you so, being
1: edgy and brooding and muttering under your breath if you'll ever see your hobbit hole again like come on did you think that we were not going to pick up on all of this edgy shit you were doing buddy like this is we've known for a super long time and we have literally everything ready to go on your adventure whenever
0: yeah oh and also we um we also know about the rainforest. oh yeah
1: that too that big secret that you think you're keeping no you're not that clever we totally saw Bilbo use it to hide from the Sackville Bagginses so
0: which is honestly the best use for yeah (laughs) um but then and Mary's like I kept this to myself um until I started to get worried and then I assembled our little conspiracy and uh sam told us everything
1: and then sam feels so, so bad
0: sam, oh, i love it so much um but and frodo goes well i mean fine i guess mm-hmm. you can come along and they were like yeah i mean there wasn't any question about that we were gonna follow you and they
1: give um <laughs> i think it's Mary giving a beautiful speech about friendship that ends with You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin to the bitter end, and you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo.
0: <sighs> I mean, I think that's a, a good place to end it. Yeah. Um we get one last song. And we learn Fatty Boulder is staying behind to sort of keep keep the house and keep up the myth that, that Frodo is still here. But our our four fr- we now have our little group mm-hmm. assembled. And they are who are going to plunge into the old forest.
1: Spooky.
0: Come tomorrow morning. So next time we'll pick up with the old forest and we will discuss uh, some of my favorite little bits. Oh, I'm excited. Of of this early part of Lord of the Rings Um, and some very confusing shit. But anyway, if thank you for sticking with us through this long bit, this fairly long episode here um, right out the bat. But... If you would like to continue following us, us on our journey through Lord of the Rings, you absolutely can do that. Um, you can find us wherever we have our podcast right now. Um, you can tell your friends about us. Um, share, your, share our podcast with them. Word of mouth is a great way for podcasts to spread. And you can follow us on our social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, so long as all of those uh, sites are functional and in use and not banned by the government or falling to pieces. Um, at fanapppod on all of those. And you can always send us an email at thefandomapprentice at gmail.com. Um,
1: Anything else, Sam? No, I am just excited because now I am fully out of anything resembling rereading. I think I had gotten up through chapter three when I had first start this book before we decided that we were going to do the podcast. And then I stopped reading so I could read along with the show. So now I am fully in brand new content. I have no idea what's coming. I hope that it's nothing sad. Sure do hope that nothing sad happens to any of our sweet babies. So I'm sure I won't be disappointed.
0: <laughs> I am sure you're going to have no issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, dear listener, we will catch you all next time. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again. See you next time. The Phantom Apprentice is produced and edited by Rin and Sam. Our music was composed and performed by James and our art is by Casey Turgeon. This podcast is created for non-commercial entertainment purposes, and the opinions expressed therein are our own and are not reflective of the opinions of any other person or organization. The content discussed is the property of the Tolkien Estate and is used here under fair use.